So, John, if you were to suspect one of the previous guests of this podcast as being a werewolf, who do you think is the most likely? Hmm. Well, Daniel, who did Wolf Children, actively chose a wolf-related movie mm. and says it's one of his favourite movies ever. So, I mean, that's got to be a red flag. True. From our friendship circle. Um, so who have we had on? Let me through some guests. Lucy. Uh, no, she's not a werewolf. Louise. I mean, she's very pro-dog, but... Mm. Ollie? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't really get a werewolf vibe from Ollie. Kit. There I we could, go. I could That's see, the one. <laughs> this is a very self-indulgent intro, because unless you know these people personally, it's like... Ah, oh, you might have listened to our episodes. Sure. In fact, I'm going to say the most likely to be a werewolf mm. is probably our bonus show interviewee from last year, Greg Sestero. <laughs> <laughs> okay because he looks suspiciously young mm-hmm. and he spends a lot of time hanging around with a vampire so hmm. I'm getting more sort of Dorian Gray vibes from him but yeah sure but... yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah okay yeah. I like it I cool. like it calling you out Greg Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And John, you've picked a film for us this week. It's I week have. three of our werewolf season. Season of the Wolf, yeah. And you've you've, you've not picked well. <laughs> <laughs> disagree. Mm. I disagree with your disagreeing, but carry on. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I chose Red Riding Hood. Mm. As established, we had limited options for werewolfy films that don't have sequels. And I could say I chose this film because it's telling a classic tale of, you know, one of the most iconic werewolf stories of all time, you know, mm. the, the classic fairy tale of Little Red Riding Hood. Mm. I could Not say... Not a werewolf story. Well, about a wolf, you know. Mm. I could say that I chose this film because we've done a Japanese take on a wolf story, a British take on a wolf story, and now this is an American take on a wolf story. Mm-hmm. could say all of those things. Not true. Mm. My actual reason for, for choosing this film, I googled werewolf films, this came up, I clicked the cast, I saw the name Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. and I was like, in. Absolutely in. Mm. And I don't entirely regret it. <laughs> what did you think? This film was dull. <laughs> it was so dull. There's just nothing to this film. Mm. It didn't catch my attention once-ish, apart from Gary Oldman shows up, mm-hmm. which I was waiting like half the film for that to happen. Sure. He shows up way too late in the film. He does. I would I would agree. He doesn't get enough to do in this. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you say, he doesn't really do much. He does sort of a, a big speech at the start, sort of get everybody riled up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to cast the wealth. No one listens to him. <laughs> because he's as boring as the film. <laughs> By Gary Oldman standards. Yeah. Like, he is definitely the most exciting thing in this film. Mm-hmm. But it's not a high bar to pass. Sure. Yeah, and then I kind of phased out after that. See, I wasn't bored. I mean, don't get me wrong. This film was a disaster. <laughs> this film was garbage. But it was, but I wasn't bored by it. I was entertained by the density of failure that was on display in this film. Really? Because I didn't even think there was a lot of that. I mean, I only afterwards found out that it... Uh, was it a Twilight fan fiction thing? or no, It was directed by Catherine Hardwick, who directed the Twilight movies. Okay, cool. But some kind of connection. And that kind of made me go, oh, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But... Still, that, that's not like 
why people are still making Twilight films. Because this film is just... It was boring. It wasn't bad? Question mark? I don't know. Again, look, we were just talking about this with uh, with Venom. This wasn't a disaster. And I would have liked a disaster. Oh, Be- I feel like this uh, was absolutely a disaster. Well, I was, hoping, I was hoping for a disaster that was at least a fun, bad film. Mm-hmm. But this was not a fun, bad film. I'm going to disagree. I think that you said this was boring but not bad. I think this was bad but not boring. Okay. I, no, I was engaged the... by the amount of times this film made terrible choices. Mm-hmm. I was really actually quite gripped by it. Mm-hmm. Not that I actually cared about the plot particularly because it was nonsense. But I found it to be delightfully inept. Like, I don't know. I mean, have you seen the Twilight films? I've seen the first one. Okay, same. I've seen a bit of the first one. And I don't remember it very well. I didn't yeah, like either. it. But I don't. I don't want to just like. It's, it's very easy to shit on those films. But mm. at the end of the day, they did make a lot of money. A lot of people liked them. Fine, mm. whatever. But just watching this, like, I don't think I ever watched a film where the basic qualities of filmmaking was so lacking. Okay, give me some examples. Like, oh, like apart from like the room, which is a different kind of yeah, film, yeah, yeah. made by an. Amateur. No, I mean, give me some examples in this film. The camera work in this film, did you notice, was terrible, actively terrible. No, not Did quite. Did you not notice, like, like, every time there was, a, like, a kill mm. or a violent thing happened, the camera would jerkily shoot from a weird angle? Like, when Gary Oldman loses his hand, and it, or whenever he killed someone, it would, like, cut from above, and it was just weird. Well, do you think it was filmed on a low budget, where they couldn't do things like have have a CGI character interact with a non-CGI character? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Well, I don't think it was low budget. I think it probably cost a lot of money. Mm. Not, I don't think it cost... What did the money all go to Gary Oldman? I think the money went to the cast. It's probably mid-budget. I'll say it's not mm. again. It's not the room. It's not like it's the, mm. some first-time director. This is the director of Twilight. You know, this is a proper mm. studio production. Yeah. For a serious studio production, this film looked terrible. <laughs> it looked awful. The sets looked like some cheap TV Lifetime movie. Like they, they looked worse they than that. Were... They, they, they looked like they'd been picked up off a musical production. Yeah. And then just put into a, a big-budget film. Yes. <laughs> did, that, did that not entertain you? I mean, they were wandering around this weird village where there's no, literally no sense of space or time. Like... <laughs> I mean, I did notice it. Yeah. But again, it didn't catch my attention enough okay. for me to pay attention. Oh, I was hooked. I was like, what is this? <laughs> we lived on the edge of a dark forest. Few knew our village by name, but many had heard of the terrible things that happened there. My mother always told me, don't talk to strangers, go get water, and come straight home. I tried to be a good girl and do what she said. Valerie! Believe me, I tried. Did you notice that this film was produced by Leonardo DiCaprio? What? You really need to start paying more attention to the films that we watch. It's said in the opening credits, produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I missed that. I mean, I try and look away when the opening credits happen because I don't want to be spoiled as to who's in it. Oh, okay, But fine. I happened to glance at it when it said um, Gary, Oldman. Ga- Gary Oldman. Well, and I was like, great, yeah. well, that's... Okay, I'm going to be waiting the whole film for Gary Oldman. Yeah. And through most of the film... They're questioning just like who's the werewolf, and before he's even there, I'm like, well, it's Gary, it's Gary Oldman. Well, it sounds like you were wrong. Spoiler yeah, I know, alert. and I was really annoyed because yeah. like that would have been great to see Gary Oldman do like a transformation, mm. have a werewolf that looks like Gary Oldman slightly you know, in sure. some way. I don't know, have him in costume, even mm. if the costume is awful. You yeah. know, Gary Oldman being a werewolf, it's like great. Sure. And then you know, it gets to the point where 
you, know, you also you find out that he's not the werewolf because you see the werewolf and you see Gary Oldman. Yeah, he's like, like one and, of and, the and two like, cast members who isn't potentially a werewolf. Yeah, and, and, and then I'm like, is are there multiple werewolves that are doing yeah. that thing? Because like Gary Oldman's a werewolf. You're just really clinging on to the Gary Oldman must be a werewolf. I needed that. Yeah. And I didn't get it. And they got so close. Yeah. Because then they're like, oh, if you get an injury from the werewolf, then you'll, because there's a red moon or whatever, you'll become a werewolf. And then he does. And I'm like, yes! And then they kill him. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what? You just took away the best part of this film. No, the best potential of this film. Not the best part. The best potential. That's fair. That's very fair. That's all Gary Oldman was in this film. He was good potential. He was, yeah. I absolutely agree. It was a bit of a waste of Gary Oldman. I mean, I feel like of everyone who was in this film, he knew what this film was. Yeah, he did. He he was doing... It wasn't... It's because he's he's been there. He's been to the highs and lows of his film career. Sure, yeah. And at this point, he's like, well, I've experienced everything now. I I know this is low middle. Yeah. That's the thing. The acting of this film really fell into two categories. A lot of the actors, it felt like they had just taken the paycheck and they just could not be bothered. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of really underwhelming acting in this film. Yeah. Just people who just seemed like they did not care. And then there were one or two people in it, like Gary Oldman and Julie Christie, I'd say as well, who played the grandma, mm-hmm. who were just like, well, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I did like that dream scene. Yeah. Of like, all the better to see you with. Like, yeah, I, was like, it, I can't it, believe they went there. It, 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 I cannot it, believe they went yeah, there. Yeah, same. It was, it was great that they did those lines. I was like... <laughs> Okay, how are they going to write themselves out of this one? What's going on here? Is there going to be a wolf inside her? Yeah. But no, it's just a dream, which, yeah, it's... Hmm. That that was an acceptable way to write yourself out of that scene. Sure. Because I don't think it was like... It wasn't top two or Gary Oldman. It wasn't Fifth Element Gary Oldman or Leon Gary Oldman or, you know, all the ones where, you know, he didn't get to that level of scenery chewing that I was Mm. hoping for. But he was definitely... He was shouting. Mm. He... Decided on an accent. Yeah. <laughs> he, he chose the accent. He'd he started st- on a volume and a way of speaking. Yeah, he had stuck to, he committed, he stuck to it, but it wasn't quite, you know, it, it wasn't deaf as whimsical today. You mm. know, it wasn't seductively stroking a, a CGI slug, you know. Do you think that the film expected more of him? Because I feel like the moment that he appears on set, mm. everything else stops mm. for like a solid 10 minutes. Well, I mean, he wheels on a giant metal <laughs> elephant. <laughs> There's a big sort of intro to him. Yeah. And bl- bless the filmmakers, they gave him an opportunity right there. There's yeah. like, look, here's, here's a speech. Mm. Maybe we should tell you that, that you can ad-lib this. No. Maybe he did. Maybe he's just not good at that. Oh, I think he's very good at I that. I imagine he is. <laughs> I don't know. That, that that scene could have just been complete craziness. Instead, it was yeah, he was, mm. it was probably a, yeah. a six then, I think. I, I, I blame the writing. I don't think the writing gave Gary Oldman enough to yeah. do. Like Because he wasn't a full villain, but he wasn't a full... He certainly wasn't a hero. Mm. But he wasn't like full villain either. He was just kind of there... Yeah, he got a few little moments in his hooded cowl of villainy. You know, he's, he's stomping around the place. He gets. He felt like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Is it Gaston? Is Gaston. You mean the the love interest who's no, uh, yeah, yeah, who, who wants to marry Belle? Yes, him. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, he, he felt like him, but just not quite there. No, that'd be funny. Like sort of half of him, yeah. essentially, because yeah. the plotline for that character at least is similar. Yeah, as in like a person that everybody respects. He's got to kill the beast and sure, sure, maybe yeah. win the girl. No, that's not. Really he was never going to win Amanda Seyfried. No, I don't no. think he was interested. That would have been a real creepy, yeah, because awesome a bit of a difference there. Winter, yeah, spring, summer, whatever it's called. Speaking of her, yeah. Or, well, as extension, the two guys that she's kind of going out with or yeah. something. What's the deal there? Okay, so it's a classic love track. This is where I was like, okay, so... <laughs> that felt they, really Twilight. That's what I thought. It's like, okay, so they made Twilight. It's like, well, that worked. Let's do that again. Yeah. So there's the guy she's in love with. These two guys who I know looked quite different, mm. but I couldn't tell them apart. 
I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I only could because okay. So there's her main love interest is called Peter. Okay, cool. You actually remember the character's name from this film. I do. You've well, done well. I remember his name because it's like old Peter and the Wolf, sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. sure. He's the woodcutter. Yeah. He's her true love. Like yeah. they, They've been in love since childhood. They've gone killing rabbits together, you know. Mm-hmm. But her mother refuses to let her marry him because <laughs> my daughter's not marrying anyone on a woodcutter's salary. Mm-hmm. She's going to marry a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not an expert on like, the economics of these weird fairyland villages, but, <laughs> but like, is a blacksmith really on that high of a salary compared to a woodcutter? I guess there's more skill in blacksmithing, or whatever the verb of blacksmithing is. They're both just like, um, tra- could, could you just like retrain? What, from a woodcutter to a blacksmith? Yeah, it doesn't like, seem like a huge leap. You know? Well, with a blacksmith, you've got to make things. Sure, okay. With a woodcutter, you've just got to chop down trees. Yeah. That's it. Just, it. it just felt weird. It felt like they were both at a similar station in life. Yeah, it was like, it wasn't I, I, like, I agree. It wasn't like he's a prince. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If it was like Prince Henry, but it yeah. wasn't. It was like Henry the Blacksmith or Peter the Woodcutter. Yeah, like it, 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 yeah, right. It's not a big difference. No. The more pressing issue for me is that she and Peter, who's supposed to be her true love, had not just zero chemistry, I would, I would define it as anti-chemistry. Sure. It felt like they didn't even like each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know the actor. You know, I don't know anything about his life. I'm not casting any kind of, you know, I, I don't know. My personal observation, he seemed like a homosexual. Sure. It was... I, 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 can, I can see what you're saying now. Like, he wasn't doing very well at showing that he had interest in her. Yeah, they had absolutely no chemistry. And I've never met a straight man who had eyebrows that well sculpted. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I really enjoyed the little opening bit with, 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 with little children, and they'd obviously sculpted the little kids' eyebrows to look like the adult actor's eyebrows, because he jumps out and he looks like a lost boy from Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> it was really yeah. like... I don't remember if he had his hands on his hips, but in my mind he did. It was like, <laughs> he really looked like Rufio or something. Mm-hmm. I know exactly why you're here. I've already lost one daughter. Valerie's all I have left. You have nothing to offer her. I have a trade. The same one as your husband. I know what a woodcutter earns. Henry's her only hope for a better life. If you love her, you'll let her go. She's betrothed to Henry, who is played by Max Irons, who I think is Jeremy Irons' son. son. I know, I understand why you couldn't tell them apart necessarily, because Mm. they were both the same character. Yeah. They were both just like bland and brooding and moody. Like It wasn't like one was more charismatic than the other. Mm. They were both just really bland, boring, take themselves way too seriously. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't really want you to end up with either one of them. Yeah. And given I didn't know either of their names. No, yeah, sure. Because maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I mean, that's, that's not my fault. I would say the character she had the most sexual energy with was her own grandma. It was just weird. It was weird. I don't know. There was, there was some weird energy going on there, and I wasn't yeah. sure what was going on. So did the grandma die in the end? Yes. Her own son kills her. Okay, cool. So did, did everybody die? Like, the mother, the no, sister... No, no, no. The sister died at the start. Yeah, so the film did the, opens... Did the mother die? Because I got confused by that, because... I didn't see the mother dying, but then there was like a flashback where she had a massive scar on her face or something. Like, as she'd been clawed by him. Or was that somebody else? No, no, that was the mother. The mother, played by Virginia Madsen. Okay. From Sideways. Sure. We, we've done sideways. Remember yeah, sideways? Yeah. Was she gender in that? No, she was blonde. The love interest of Paul Giamatti, who does that whole speech about wine. No. That was, come on, that was, that was well over a year ago. Okay, it was a long time ago. Fine, okay. I bring her up because, again, not judging. Every, you know, I, I think everyone has the right to do whatever they want with their own bodies. You know, It seemed to me like she had a facelift an hour before the film was shot. <laughs> <laughs> her face was so... 
<laughs> she just looked like really like startled and puffy. I don't know. Mm. Did you notice this? No, really, no. And yeah, and she's also got this like really ratty like eighties Dolly Parton weave going on. It's yeah, <laughs> I, I did notice that. <laughs> he was Henry's father, wasn't it? And the man you loved, Lucy, was in love with Henry. She was a year older than me. He could have married him. Why did you insist it was me? I think you know the answer to that. I want you to say it. Lucy was Henry's half-sister. Adrian was her father. Does Baba know about Lucy? No. And you have to promise me that you'll never tell. So... Red Riding Hood is in love with Peter, the woodcutter, but she's betrothed to Henry, the son of the blacksmith, mm-hmm. because her mother doesn't want her to marry the woodcutter because blacksmiths make more money. Mm-hmm. Then at the beginning of the film, Red Riding Hood's older sister is killed by the wolf. Yes. In a very clean kill, mm-hmm. in broad daylight, presumably. Mm-hmm. And then they just add so much random <laughs> plot, because basically we find out later that the sister was actually in love with Henry, the blacksmith, the one that... Red Riding Hood is betrothed to. Okay. You're, you're looking at me like you're learning this for the first time. Yeah. How much of this film did you actually watch? Like, Be not honest. much at all. Were you just, like, on your phone the whole time? Well, yeah, it's really boring. You did you see stop. the same film? I did, yeah, but I focus. Focus, I know I'm going to have to talk about it. You're going to have to stop paying more attention. It's a really boring film. Well, you, it's going to be more so if you're not paying attention. Okay, well, tell me. What happened? Okay, so. Red Riding Hood... In love with Peter, betrothed to, to Henry, the blacksmith. Yeah, got that. The older sister, who was murdered at the beginning, mm. was in love with Henry, the blacksmith. Okay. Okay. But the mother wouldn't let them get married. Mm-hmm. Because, as we find out later, mm. the mother... And this, this is so ridiculously convoluted. The mother had an affair with Henry, the blacksmith's father, who gets killed. Mm-hmm. The, bla- I, the blacksmith. Mm-hmm. And he is actually the father of... Red Riding Hood's older sister. Ah, okay. So I did. I do remember this because then she said like she couldn't go with him because like he's her half brother or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda Seyfried and Henry the blacksmith still are not related in any way because mm. she's actually her father's daughter. Mm-hmm. But her older sister was in love with her own half brother. Mm-hmm. It's like this is some crazy like soap opera shit right here. Yeah. When this whole plot thing is explained in like the first like half hour of the movie, I was like. Why does this matter? The sister's already dead. Why are you bringing all this stuff in? But at the end, they do use it to explain, aha, this is why the father killed his own daughter because it wasn't his own daughter. And then he mm-hmm. found out and he killed her in a fit of rage. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was convoluted. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so the wolf kills the sister and the family, the, the whole village decides to go and find the wolf mm-hmm. and kill the wolf mm-hmm. who's been harassing the town for two generations. Yeah. Which isn't that long. No, it's, it's, well, it depends on how long a generation is. But I mean, it's an. It's, I don't think people's life expectancy is huge in this town. But sure. yeah, but it could be like thirty years. Sure, 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 fine, yeah. But anyway, they go into the woods or into the mountains, whatever, mm. and kill a wolf. Yes, and think they've killed the wolf. Yes, but before they kill the wolf, the wolf kills the blacksmith. The bla- ah yes yeah yes. Henry's dad yeah. But before they go on the hunting mission, the priest summons Gary Oldman, who's mm. like a renowned wolf slayer. Mm-hmm. So he ju- after the, the townspeople have think they've killed the wolf, he turns up and they're like, well, sorry, Gary Oldman, but we already solved our own problem because look, here's the wolf's head. Yeah. And he's like, that's not a werewolf. That's just a regular wolf. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, it's a wolf. The wolf is definitely dead. Mm-hmm. And then they threw this huge party yeah. <laughs> that goes on forever. Yeah. How like, long was this scene? Well, multiple days. I was like, a beloved member of your community died today. <laughs> <laughs> and you're having the, like, the, the blacksmith 
died today. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh God, it's, this is such a tragedy. And then like six hours later, they're like, hey, let's have a party. Mm, yeah. Even though they've got this, there's werewolf experts saying, yeah, you've not killed a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've given my very obvious reasons. Red Riding Hood sees Peter, the one she's truly in love with, dancing with another woman at this point. Mm-hmm. Because he's trying to push her away because he thinks she'll be better off marrying the blacksmith even though he's secretly in love with her. Or mm-hmm. not so secretly in love with her. And so she tries to get his attention by doing this weird competitive dance-off. Yes, that was <laughs> also odd. It felt like they were doing a mix between like that kind of really cliched, you know, middle ages, night, a knight's tale kind of, you know, mm. we're going to clap once in the air and yep. then we're going to turn a circle dance. Mixed with like modern crumping or something. Like, did you ever see the bit where like so she does she's doing the claps and the turns and then her and her friend just started randomly like boob jiggling each other? Like, yes, it was, it was yes, very strange. It, it was quite odd, yeah. <laughs> and please don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> um, yeah, and so then what happens? Uh, they so then she's she's snogging one of the guys. You no, know, no, she goes for a literal roll in the hay with. Peter, mm. her actual love interest, mm-hmm. but in a very like PG thirteen way, like, yeah. like they're rolling around in the hay, and she's like, you know, bosoms are heaving, and then he mm. like pulls a blouse or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then one of his friends catches him and is like, hey, come up here, but it's like they can't see her. Yeah, it was weird. It was like, <laughs> yeah, oh hey Peter, w- w- what are you doing down there, rolling in the hay by yourself? Yeah, did they think he was masturbating? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh Peter's he, wanking in the hay again. But even Classic so, like, Peter, oh hey Peter, come here. Yeah, and he's like, okay, fine. He just leaves her. Yeah. Just leaves her in the hay. Yeah. Um, so then he disappears because uh, he has to be off screen when the wolf appears. And then the wolf attacks the town mm. and it goes on this whole rampage, mm. kills a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Did he clock that little bit where he, there's, everyone's like, quick, run to the church. It can't get into the hallowed ground. And everyone's like running for their lives into the church. Except one guy's like, wait, I'll just sketch it first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did see that. I was like, oh, he's the photographer. <laughs> he's like the paparazzo and he just gets yeah. killed immediately. Was that supposed to be funny, like for funny's sake? Again, it was. If if so, it was so ineptly shot that it didn't. Re- I mean, it made mm. me laugh, but it was like it didn't read as like a comedic beat. No, it was just. What the fuck was that choice? Mm. <laughs> and then there's that bit where the wolf corners her and her friend mm-hmm. and talks to her. Mm. She thinks that everyone can hear the wolf, but actually only she can hear the wolf because yeah. she's psychically connected to the wolf. But like her friend, it, this scene goes on for about ten minutes. And her friend just just stood there. Yeah. So from the friend's perspective, she just stood there while this wolf's just growling at her friend, and her friend's like, "I see you." Yeah. Or just some, you know, like just saying whatever Amanda Seyfried says, and that's yeah, it's bizarre. But then, so then basically, she is outed as a witch because they think she talks to the werewolf, so she must be a witch. And then after that, it's like it, it really the rest of the film is just this whole like who done it, like who's the wolf? It could be any one of them because mm-hmm. Gary Oldman's like it's somebody in this town. Mm-hmm. We know it's not Amanda Seyfried mm-hmm. because. She was face-to-face with the wolf. We know it's not Gary Oldman. That's it. Yeah. Could be anyone else. I've never seen a beast as strong as this. We must find it in its human form. But how? It could be any of them. It hasn't survived this long by being obvious. Look everywhere. Your homes will be searched. Your secrets brought to light. If you are innocent, you have nothing to fear. But if you are guilty, I swear by almighty God, you will be destroyed. I did not expect this film to be like Murder on the Orient Express fairy tale version. Mm. You know what I mean? The whole film was like this, who's the killer? Like, who's the wolf? Like, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't think that was what this film was going to be. No. <laughs> I mean, who did you, did, who did you think the killer was or the werewolf was before it was revealed? Uh, well, Gary Oldman. 
Oh yeah, you established you were um, hoping it was Gary Oldman. And then once it was revealed, still Gary Oldman somehow. So you're still like, even though we've seen the wolf hoping, and Gary Oldman on screen together. Yeah, I was hoping that there was some way that, I, I don't know, the granny for a bit. Um, See, I never thought it was the granny because... Oh, only only for a, for a short while, but yeah. just like... Well, they, they really like, wanted you to think it was the granny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, it's not um, the granny. Her mother, uh, <laughs> either of uh, her love interests. Sure, yeah. Um, slash both, I don't yeah. know. I forgot her dad was a thing. Me too. It was, <laughs> me too. It was like it was like that's the killer. Yeah, we we seen it before. Yeah. He gets um, like one scene where he's like passed out drunk in the street and he's thrown up all over the snow. And yeah, like, that's his one scene. It's like yeah. and at the end, it's like oh, it's you. I mean, but by the time it was revealed who it was, I wouldn't have been surprised. No, I'm not surprised is the wrong term. I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, that's no surprise to anybody listening to the last twenty minutes of this podcast, but. I, it could have been the village idiot. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it really was. He had so many characters. Yeah. Did anybody actually die in an elephant? Yeah, the kid with the learning difficulties. The village idiot. Okay, if you want to be. <laughs> Did he have learning difficulties? I missed that bit. I, well, I assumed it seemed like they were trying to paint him. I don't know what, but like, yeah, because he was really, he didn't like seem like he could talk properly. Like, oh right, was, okay, oh, my bad. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they're giving him a diagnosis, but yeah. Yeah, he dies in the in the elephant. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Which is a line you don't think you're going to say in a discussion of a film about Red Riding Hood, but that's yeah. what happens. Mm-hmm. Basically, Gary Oldman wheels in a 10, 12, 14 foot metal elephant, mm-hmm. which must have been a bitch to transport through the forest. Like, yeah. On a mud track. Yeah, exactly. How the hell did... Why? And all it's there for is so he can use it as a torture device. Mm. He basically throws people in like a fire underneath it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see... The prequel, where he's like, he gets like a, a raven or something or a message like, you must come to this town. It's several miles into mm. the forest because the werewolf has been murdering the inhabitants and they need your expertise. He's like, right, saddle up the elephants. It's like, mm. Gary, do we need the elephants? <laughs> what do we need the elephant for? If you need to torch people, you know, there's other ways. You can use red hot pokers, you know, you can mm. use hanging, you know, you can use water torture. There's, there's lots of very easy to carry, you know, ways of torturing a person. Mm-hmm. No, no, I paid for this elephant. I... Don't get the deposit back. We are using the elephant. <laughs> like, it's like, what? Why? Yeah, don't know. I also liked how when the elephant entered, there's a guy just sat on top of it. Yeah. It's like, it's like what's he doing? Well, how did he get to be the one? Like, don't know. I imagine there's a big fight over. Sure, yeah. Who gets to ride the elephant? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was. I had, I had a lot of questions. Also, his kids. Remember when Gary Oldman arrives? He's got two little girls. Yes. And then they're never seen again. No. They just disappear. It's weird. Why would you bring your two daughters on to a werewolf, a werewolf infested village? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it's, it's pretty much just to say I've got kids. Yeah, and this is going to come up later in a story, in a boring story I'm going to tell about his wife. Yeah, basically. Oh, is this the werewolf that killed? Yeah, they were just exposition children. Yeah, I was like, is this the werewolf that killed our, our mother? Mm. Yeah, which he dispels immediately, so it's not not even worth it. Like, mm. He could have just said, "Oh, a werewolf killed my wife." Why he needed to have two small children? Yeah, never yeah. This film got very convoluted. It had way too many plots going on. Also, despite having a lot of plots, I feel like this film just finished in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, like, the closing... What, what happened at the end of the film? Like, the dad was the werewolf. Spoilers. They killed the dad? Yeah. But but in the process, the, the boyfriend, boyfriend gets scratched and he becomes the werewolf. And then that's it. Yeah, well, it's like, and I'll wait for you. Yeah, it's yeah. like he needs to go into the forest to learn how to control his werewolfiness, so he won't kill people. Yeah, 
Bear in mind, he's werewolf only once a month. Yeah, true. Yeah, it seems it seems like overkill, but yeah. sure. Yeah, I feel like it was setting up for a franchise that did not come to pass. Yeah, because I was really hoping for it to just go full crazy and just like, okay, now my boyfriend is a werewolf. Yeah. But he's my, my boyfriend. Yeah. Oh no, my boyfriend's a werewolf. Yeah. That's a film. That's a film. Right? Well, like she, I was, I wanted her to like ride off on his back. Sure. Yeah. Like sure. In, in, into the woods, into the distance, and yeah. the, and they just become wolf people. Yeah. The the two of them. He's a werewolf. She's not. Maybe he scratches her at some point. She becomes yeah. a werewolf, which is the plot of Twilight. Yeah. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's the slow thing of how it's not. Is that it's not Anna Kendrick, is it? No. Um, no, it's Kristen, oh, Kristen Stewart. Kristen yeah. Stewart, yeah. Yeah, it's the slow tale of how she essentially becomes a vampire, I yeah. think. I mean, I genuinely don't know. It sounds like you're overcompensating. With, with, who, she, who she picks. Sure. What? It's, it's like, oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what this is exactly what happens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, I see. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of wanted that from this film. I wanted sure, it yeah. to get weird. Mm. Valerie, come with me. It's the last day of the Blood Moon. One bite. You'll be like me. I won't do what you do. I can't. Yes, you can, Valerie. My blood already courses through your veins. It's a gift. It's a gift my father gave to me, but now I can give to you. I'm stronger than he was. You'll be even stronger than me. Think about it. We will be invincible. Yeah, so they found out that the dad was the wolf because he was going to ask the oldest daughter to run away with him. Mm. But then the older daughter couldn't understand what he was saying when he was a wolf. And then he realised it wasn't his daughter. So he realised then that his wife had cheated on him early in their relationship. Ah, so it goes by blood so he can speak to his his children. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Did you not get that? Uh, Maybe. So then he killed the daughter in a fit of rage. Mm -hmm. He slashed them's face but didn't kill her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's... It's a very quick decision to make. Yeah. Just like, oh, you can't understand me. Maybe she's not my daughter. I'm better killer. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Not a very rational decision. Well, he kills his own mother, you know. Mm. Not a very rational guy. Right? True, but like, that girl he's he's raised as his daughter for, mm. you know, what, 16 years? Yeah, I thought so too. Like, it's, just, it's, like, it's just nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a theme in this family because when Amanda Seyfried and Peter kill the dad, mm. and third off, he's attacking them, you know, whatever. And then there's a scene where they're just like filling his body with stones, like... Yeah, I saw that as well. But not even like a lot of stones. It just looked like a few pebbles that they picked sure, up from, yeah. the, from the side of the river. But still, she's doing that to her own dad. She's like well, chopping yeah. her own dad's guts out and filling it with stones. It's like, yeah. Seems traumatising. I was more thinking, there's, there's better ways to dispose of a body. Yeah. Even back in those days. Sure, bury him. Bigger rocks. Bigger rocks, sure, yeah. Tie him to a rock. Why, why does yeah. it been his guts? Yeah, exactly. Tie his legs to a rock. Yeah. Something. Just his clothes. Just fill his clothes with rocks. Yeah. They're like, no, they, they, they cut straight to like disemboweling. Mm. Disturbed people. I really like... How did they kill him in the end? I forgot. Um, I think... Oh, oh no, that was it. That was really funny. Oh, was it the... Gary Oldman has his silver yes. fingernails. <laughs> what a... What a, what a way to die. It was. So, yeah. Stabbed by Gary Oldman's silver fingernails. Yeah. So Gary Severed. Oldman gets, yeah. So Gary Oldman gets killed by the wolf and his, his arm is chopped off. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he gets bitten. killed. Bitten off. His arm gets bitten off. Which includes his hand which has silver... He has silver fingernails because so, silver kills wolves. Mm-hmm. Werewolves. Uh, and then Amanda Seyfried runs off to grandma's house with something mysterious in her basket. Mm-hmm. Finds out that it's her dad and her dad has killed her grandma. Peter comes to save the day. The wolf attacks him, bites him, then goes to attack his own daughter. Peter stands up and throws an axe into his face to distract him. Mm-hmm. And then Amanda Seyfried rips off the 
sheet from her basket of goodies mm-hmm. and reveals that she's got Gary Oldman's disembodied hand <laughs> and just stabs the wolf in the, in the gut, killing mm-hmm. him. Great. What a way to go, indeed. So, Silver was hard to come by back in those days. Did yeah. Gary Oldman have to, like, reattach those fingernails to himself all the time? I guess, yeah, I guess he lost you know, his, his nails. his nails would grow out and, like... You know, fake fingernails, they don't last forever. Yeah. So Maybe he lost his own fingernails and had them like fused to the skin, I don't know. Ooh. I know, not pleasant, but you got to do what you got to do. Mm. Yeah, so then it turns out the piece has been bitten, so he's going to become the wolf. That's why he's like, I need to leave town forever. Mm. It's all very emo. So Red Riding Hood moves to Grandma's house permanently, and the film ends with Peter occasionally coming to visit her in wolf form in the night. Yeah. The film ends. So would you like to get to some drinking games? Yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay. My first drinking game was going to be the same as the last two movies, which was Drink for Transformations. Sure. But there aren't any in this film. No, no, you never see it. Very disappointing. Yeah, it's, it, it has to keep it off screen, so you, it's always a mystery who the wolf is. So. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, but even at the end, when no, you know? He doesn't really know. No, there's no transformation in either direction. No, true. I don't think they had the budget. Oh, clearly. It was a pretty shitty werewolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had Drink for Cute Animals in Peril. What, what animals? Cute animals. Any cute, well, so... I don't remember a single animal in this. Well, in the beginning, she kills that bunny. Oh, yeah. Which I kind of was like, what a pointless scene. But then all the scenes I thought were pointless got crowbarred in it later in the film because then when the wolf confronts her mm. and he's like, run away with me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm nothing like you. And he's like, yes, you are. You killed that rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> like, ten years ago, you killed a bunny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the same. You're, so you're definitely, you definitely have a murderous heart. Mm. And also, obviously that was supposed to make you think it was Peter because Peter was with her when they killed that rabbit together. Mm. But also, like, how does the dad know that happened? He wasn't there. Don't know. Senseless. Senseless. Also, in the beginning of the film, there's this whole thing where they leave out animal sacrifices so the wolf won't kill people. Mm-hmm. So the scene where there's a little girl, like, tearfully tying up her little pet piglets, which I just thought was stupid. Yeah. It's like, why would you let her love the pig if the pig's being bred to be... An animal sacrifice. Mm. Seemed unnecessary. <laughs> but yeah, just drink whenever there's animals in peril. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drink every time you make a guess of who the werewolf is. Okay, sure. An incorrect guess or just a guess? No, just a guess. Okay, sure. That's good. I mean, okay, an incorrect guess because you're not going to guess that it's a dad because you he... don't remember that he's there. <laughs> True, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you were just like, throughout, like, oh, it's Gary Oldman, it's Gary Oldman, it's Gary Oldman. Pretty much. Or yeah. Pisa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every other time I was like, okay, they're, they're, they, they are now trying to make it look as though it could be anybody else, but I'm Confident it's Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had a similar one. Drink whenever a character you completely don't recognise and has no impact on the plot randomly gets more screen time than you'd think. <laughs> yep, sure. Do you remember? Okay, so the priest was a big one. Mm. Not Gary Oldman, I mean the, the other priest. The priest who summons him. Yeah. Who gets stabbed by Gary Oldman midway through the film. Yeah. Who was he? Yeah, I don't know, but you do see a lot of him, don't you? You do. He gets a lot of screen time. Yeah. Well, it's Lucas Haas, who's kind of a well-known actor, but he has nothing to do. But the main one for me was... Do you remember... The woman who was, I think, Henry the blacksmith's son. I assume grandma, because she seemed old. Mm. And she spends the whole film wandering around the village. Just giving, like, evil side giving eye. Evil, giving evil side eye. Yeah, red yeah. Rabbit and another one. I think that in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, she plays a reanimated corpse played by a snake. Great. I think she was born for that role. Sure. Well, that, yeah, she spent the whole film giving side eye to Amanda Seyfried. I was like, oh, so this character's like going to pay off in some way. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, that's it. Nothing. No, no, no. Yeah, I, th- I thought she was the werewolf as well. For a she, yes, right. yeah, it would have made no one. sense. But, and I thought she would have something to do, but no, she spends the whole film just like, <laughs> but yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. It's bizarre. Drunk every time you look at your phone. Okay. Tell me you didn't look at your phone. 
Genuinely didn't. Really? I'll be honest, I watched this film at like 3am, mm. so there wasn't really much happening in like social media at that time. <laughs> okay, fair. Drink for weird sexual energy between Red Riding Hood and her own grandma. Sure, yeah. So any scene with those two. Basically, yeah. Right, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Last one I've got is drink every time you remember a character's name. Okay. Would that be no drinks at all? So, so yeah, for me, none. You, you've done two. Yeah. I also remember that I think Red Riding Hood was called Valerie. Which I remember because it was like, what a weird, inappropriate name for for like a medieval little girl. Mm, yeah. Valerie? And also, did she have a name in the original story? Mm. Or did they just made up a name for this? I think they made up a name for this. I don't think... I think like she's in, just... A... In, in, in my idea, in my pitch that I've come up with, I've called her Red. Red, sure. Yeah, that's, that's what she's known. She's Red, yeah. Solid name. My Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> I would have the wolf so at some point been like, why don't you come on over, Valerie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking either that or just... She sounds like an old lady. Yeah, Valerie yeah. sounds like a it very does sound old lady. Like old name. lady name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Drink for terrible, terrible dialogue. So most of the film. Yeah, my favorite line was they really tried to make this happen, and I don't know why. When the grandma says to her, and it comes up a few times, like all sorrows are less with bread. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that? I mean, maybe it was supposed to be like just this this random old lady saying that, sure. that no one. But bread, like yeah. it was like it'd be like okay, all sorrows are less with I don't know cake. Yeah, you know, like something tasty with bread, like bread. I mean, I like bread, but it's pretty bland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, just yeah, just any any really bad dialogue would make me laugh. There's, there's a lot. And finally, drink every time Red Riding Hood puts on her Red Riding Hood, like. <laughs> Mid shot or something like it cuts away from it and it cuts back to it and suddenly she's in the hood. What were all those shots of her and random man like climbing a mountain or something? Oh, that was the fantasy. And then she's wearing his hood that's like fifty meters long yeah. or something. That's the fantasy, what, Harry. What? what? I, I I don't get it. What, what what's going on there? It's the fantasy scene of her, her wanting to run away because in reality the hood's this like ratty little like dressing gown. Yeah, like it's horrible cheap towely material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like really uncomfortable. But then when, yeah, she's running up the hill. It's like flowing in the breeze, like a veil. It's like very beautiful. So yeah, it's just like a fa- it's like a music video moment. It's just like her fantasizing. Mm. It's, it's for teenage so- girls, yeah, clearly. <laughs> Peter. have to leave you won't be safe with me until I learn how to protect you from So before we get to sequels, I'm going to talk about Patreon for a little bit. So mm-hmm. if any of you listeners have enjoyed what we've talked about so far, which, I mean, why would you? The film was boring. <laughs> to be fair, John was kind of on point. Uh, <laughs> High you, 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 weren't, you weren't wrong at <laughs> any point. 
Uh, and I suppose we will, whatever, it might have been entertaining. Anyway, if you enjoyed it um, and uh, you'd like to support us, please go to patreon.com slash beyondtheboxer and uh, you can pledge to give us as much or as little money as you want to help us with the show. And in return, we give you a few bonus features, such as a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review films in the cinema. Also, at some interval, there'll be an advert on the show. You're getting closer. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Or is it once a month they get every episode in, every episode in a month or something? Or... What, what How many, you, I'm really. You, you, wait, I'll, I'll get this. So you pick, you you pick a Patreon supporter, they send an advert in, and you put it on the episodes for a certain month. What? No. What is it, Tommy? If you support us on Patreon yeah. and you would like to promote something, mm-hmm. anything you like, mm-hmm. we will give you one guaranteed thirty-second ad slot mm-hmm. per month. Okay. So every one of our Patreons. What about the other ad slots then? What do you mean? Well, we do more than one episode a month. Yes, we have more than one Patreon. Uh... Every, <laughs> I swear, I don't just... how is this still? I feel like I'm in a parallel universe. Like, am I in the Matrix? Like, it's so simple. Everybody pays for an ad slot once a month, and everyone gets one a month. But we've got more than four people. Yeah, so sometimes there's more than one ad slot on one episode. Ah, uh, okay, it's getting better now. Okay, yeah. I'll try and remember. Okay, okay. <laughs> I will. I will. I can't make any promises. Okay. Are you crying? Uh, a bit, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just yawned. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, well, if you could just choose more interesting films, maybe my brain will keep more active and, uh, you know, okay. it'll all work out. So, yeah, we'll do a 30-second ad slot for you for anything you want to advertise. Could be your own podcast, your own business, anything you want. Could be a new laptop you just bought yourself. How is your new laptop, John? It keeps crashing. Well, that's not very good. Oh, no, yeah, fucking Apple. Oh, take it back. Well, I've contacted Apple... We'll get to this later. It's t- I, I, I was going to hold. It probably isn't podcasting gold. No, no, no. I, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Okay, okay cool. So that's uh, that's the kind of advertising you can get here at Beyond the Box. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Squarespace. We'll tell you about it later. We're going to talk about it offline. But just um, know that we're talking about it. And also, uh, if you're a patron supporter, once a month we will uh, let one of you choose an episode for us, mm-hmm. or sorry, choose the film for us. Um, if you really, really want us to talk about a film which does have a sequel, prequel or spin-off, so we're not going to do that, we will do that on a bonus show, and yeah. we'll just talk it through. We'll give it a good review, which, uh, yeah, it's always fun. So, all that is available on patreon.com slash set. We will both be eternally grateful. Hey, Drew, what do you do every other Wednesday? Specifically every other Wednesday, I watch a movie, Nathan. Oh my gosh, I talk about movies every other Wednesday. Oh my gosh, if we take my movie watching and you're talking about movies... We can make a podcast! We can make a podcast, that'd be great! But what would we call it? I don't know, I mean, I get the feels for the movies. And I get the reels part of it. Man, if we combine the two, we could have... The Real Feels Podcast. I love it. Okay, you know what? We're going to find us on iTunes and Podbean. It's going to be great. Every other Wednesday. We're going to be the realest. The feelest. So we're going to do something different for our sequels this week. Yeah. Just because we thought we'd try a new thing. Might not work. Might be a very bad idea and be an absolute failure. Let us know. We're certainly not going to do this every week. We're going to swap ideas. So we've both written an idea as normal. Potentially multiple ideas. I don't know what you've done. I've just written one this week. Good, me too. And uh, well, I'm going to give mine to John now, and he's going to read it out, and then uh, John will give me mine, and I'll read, read his out. Okay. Uh, so John's not seen my idea. I've not seen John's idea. We're going in blind, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know maybe this will be interesting. I, I was trying to make what I thought was going to be a dull episode interesting. Okay. So uh, you know, we'll see. Okay. Oh, is that the reason? Because you thought this film was such a dud that someone was going to have to liven things up? Yeah. Well, okay. 
So, Harry's sequel is Red Riding Hoodie. Mm-hmm. An ensemble. Do you mean ensemble? Uh, enjoy my spelling. Great. Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay. Red Riding Hoodie, featuring an, an ensemble cast. Uh-huh. Red is played by Daisy Ridley mm-hmm. from... Um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Great. Like it. Her mother, played by Olivia Colman. Good choice. Thought you'd like that. Okay, yeah. Mm. Her stepdad, David Tennant. Ooh, it's like a... I wanted to couple them up. Yeah. What was that show they were on together? Broad a, broad, a Broad Church reunion. Great. I mean, they, they, they weren't a couple in that, but, you know, I thought... Yeah, I'd... bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Okay, so her stepfather is David Tennant. Her older brother is played by Taron Egerton from Kingsman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Her hookup. Mm-hmm. So which one of those is that? Is that Peter or is that Henry? Oh, this this isn't a remake sort of thing. Okay, it's it, 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 it's a it's a new thing that's vaguely okay. So this is a version of the Red Riding Hood tale, but it's not directly related to the film we just watched. It's very loose. Okay, fine. It's pretty much just the title and a werewolf in it. Okay, fine, sure. So in this film, there's Red Riding Hood played by Daisy Ridley, her mother played by Olivia Coleman, her stepfather played by David Tennant, her older brother played by Taron Egerton, her hookup played by Daniel Kaluuya. Nice. Mm-hmm. And a police officer played by Martin Freeman. Huh. Okay. So there's our cast of characters. Let's see where this goes. We open in a bar in London. Red, Daisy Ridley, is out wearing her lucky red hoodie. Okay. Whenever she wears this hoodie, she always pulls. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Is it magical or just looks really good on her? It's not said. Okay, fine. She nicknames it her Red Riding Hoodie. Oh, I see. <laughs> there we go. And that's the title explained. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, to be fair, in, in the film we just reviewed, she does no riding. Yeah. She never gets on a horse. I was wondering this. Yeah. Like, in the original story, does she get on a horse at any point? I thought she was just skipping down the forest with a... True, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was always a sex thing. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's see. She's out. I like how you've written well anyway in your... <laughs> oh, yeah, this is how I write. <laughs> well, anyway, she's out. I, I, I don't ad-lib. No. <laughs> I, I pre-write my ad-libs. Oh, my God. So, Red Riding Hoodie is out and about, and she strikes up a conversation with Daniel Kaluuya. Everything's going well until she gets a call from her mother, Olivia Coleman. Oh, you, you've put some accents in for me. <laughs> nice. Okay, let me work. Okay, so the note is Scouse accent. Full disclosure... I was born and raised and spent the first 18 years of my life in Liverpool. <laughs> Lucky you say this, so you don't offend anybody. Is that what's going on here? Because I can't do a Scouse accent. I think you can. You've done it before. Okay, everything. Let me find, let me pull back from childhood. Red. Red. <laughs> Red. Red, I need you to come home and look after Nan. I'm going out with David. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David being David Tennant, Red's stepdad in the story. I've literally kept, apart from Red, I've kept all the names the same. Or just like shortened versions of stuff. Daniel Kaluuya is Dan. Okay, fine, sure. But mum, I'm busy. I'm with a friend. Can't Taz look after her? Nah, your brother's gone out and I can't get hold of him. Look, I don't care what you're up to. I'm going out, so you need to come home and look after Nan. Invite your friend with you if you you like. Red hangs up without saying goodbye. As everyone does in films. Sure, yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. I've got to go over and make sure my nan's okay. Dan, in a London accent. <laughs> I can't switch between accents that quickly. Between Meryl Streep. He's got one line. Okay. That's fine. I'll walk... How do, scouts... How do Londoners speak? Is it like Cockney? Go for it. Go Cockney. I would just say that's fine in Cockney. Ow, apples and pears. 
You, you, you could you could change the line if you want. I'm trying to. What, what, what's like Cockney Ramen slang for that's fine? No, I'm going to go like posh London. That's fine. I'll walk you home. <laughs> I'm just the, you. That was just sorry, that was, <laughs> okay, carry on. That's fine. I'll walk you home. That was, that was my Daniel Kaluuya impression. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Safe. Yeah. Commence a montage of Daniel Kaluuya and Daisy Ridley on various public transport options as they travel across London. They are snogging the whole way home. Classic. It's played for laughs. Oh, so they're just like all over each other, just like pouring at each other. Just mm-hmm. like, like they're on a crowded tube or bus and she's just like straddling him. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it? Okay, cool. They make it to the front door of her council apartment and stop snogging. She invites him in, saying that she's sure her nan is just fine. Dan looks up at the sky and jokingly says, You said there was only one line of London. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Dan looks up at the sky and jokingly says, Oh, look at that. A full moon. Better watch out for werewolves. Red replies, in a Scouse accent, Eh, you can ravage me all night. <laughs> this is better at coming from you. Sure. I mean, I don't know if the listeners like this, but I'm entertained. Okay, good. The door slams shut and we cut to black with the sound of a werewolf howling. Is that to imply that they're just banging away? Take what you will from that. Okay. The next morning, Red wakes up with a stonking hangover. She's alone. Dan must have let himself out at some point. She feels a breeze and hears a door banging in the wind somewhere in the house. She goes to find where her window must be open and walks into her nan's bedroom. The room is covered in blood, especially the bed. The window is smashed and her nan is nowhere to be seen. Well, apart from a couple of leftovers. What a macabre, disturbing scene. Mm. Red screams and the camera does one of those zooms into the darkness <laughs> of her mouth. <laughs> like he's not reading that as though that's part of the story. <laughs> Well, you wrote it. Well, yeah. Now we're going to get the same story told from Red's mum's perspective. I.e. Livy? Mm-hmm. Olivia Corman. Okay. Is it? Is this like... Um, so it's going to be three time frames. Well, not, not three time frames. Three story, three views. Of the same story. Kind of like run, Lola run kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Great, okay. Mm. No, because that was, that was three no. different scenarios. Yes, so. these are all real. What films What films have done that where they've told the same story from three different time frames? I feel like we watched one recently. Mm, yeah, me too. Pulp Fiction? Oh yes, Pulp Fiction kind of does. Yeah. So it's kind of like Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, loosely. Mm. So we're, we're getting the same story. It's not what I was doing with this. No. Carry on. From the perspective of Red's mum, i.e. Olivia Coleman. It's mid-afternoon and Olivia Coleman and David Tennant are walking through the park together. David, in a posh Eton accent, says, <laughs> I say, Livy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write that, did I? No, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> I say, Livy, do you want to do something tonight? Something more than just hanging out in your flat? <laughs> e, what's wrong with me flat? No, nothing, dear. I just wanted to do something a bit different, that's all. How about we go to the pictures? <laughs> Who says the pictures? <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. These two seem mismatched. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Okay. So they go to the cinema... And watch a film about two people, also played by David Tennant and Olivia Coleman, who drive out into the middle of nowhere when their car breaks down. The David Tennant character gets out a ring and pops the question. Is this in the film within a film? Mm-hmm. Okay. She says yes. Then the moon comes up and he turns into a werewolf. Cut back to the cinema and other Olivia Coleman is terrified of the film and wants to leave. So they go out and he walks her home. Unfortunately, he breaks out into song and eventually gets joined by a gang of zombies who scare Livy all the way home. Is that a thriller reference? Yes. Okay. It's all thriller. She runs in 
She runs in it. Oh, oh I get it. She runs in and goes straight to bed. So I should decipher Harry's typos there. Not noticing the loud noises coming from Red's bedroom. The next morning, she wakes up as though the whole thing has been a dream. But then she hears a loud scream coming from the other room. She walks in and joins in the screaming. Is this when she sees the grandma has been, her own mother has mm, been eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same camera effect is used. <laughs> so now we're cutting to Taz, Taron Edgerton from Kingsman. Mm-hmm. Who was he playing again? He's the brother. He's the older brother. So we've not seen him yet in this nope, scenario. No, not yet. Okay, fine. He's also out in the same bar that Red was at that evening, although it's now earlier on. So he's, she's not arrived yet? I think so. I'm not actually sure if that's relevant anymore, but okay. carry on. He's there with a few friends. They're all being very laddish. Your words. Drinking a lot. And they're not just on alcohol. Oh, hey, I, say, I, I say laddish and I say things like not just on alcohol. Nobody on the planet says they weren't just on alcohol, if you know what I mean. I mean, I say that quite often at work. Really? Okay. You are square. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These people are on drugs. <laughs> anyway, the next few scenes are all shown completely through his eyes. And he's hallucinating a little bit because of all the drugs. So when he sees his sister with a guy... Oh, he, so they're in the bar at the same time. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're, okay. they're in the bar at the same time. I'm, so, I'm sorry. So Taron Edgerton is Daisy Ridley's older brother. He mm. sees her in a bar with a guy, mm-hmm. the guy being Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. And he marches up to her and says, in a shabby accent, <laughs> your words, mm-hmm. is it still Scouse? I mean, what's a chavy accent? Do chavy Scouse. I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Who's this then? Yeah. Sure. Daisy replies, Fuck off, Taz. This is my friend. Looks like he's after more than friendship with you. Dan gets up. Look, man, I don't want any trouble. I just... (laughs) (laughs) I am not attempting to impersonate Daniel Kaluuya. No, no, no. No good can come of it. No, no, I didn't want you to, but it's just, it's funny how you're just overpronouncing everything with him. It's great. (laughs) Look, man, I don't want any trouble. I just want a quiet drink with Red. Taz tries to punch him and Dan easily blocks it like in a karate kind of way well just like swipe him to the side or oh, something oh okay sure Ta- I mean like I said Taz is not really with it sure, of course because he's full of drugs yeah okay Taz falls over in the process this is just after Red received the call from her mother so the two of them leave so Taz is just like down at the bar pretty much yeah okay as they walk out the door we see from Taz's perspective that Dan turns around and gives Taz a look and his eyes glow red. Did you mention a bit where Taz... We're seeing everything through Taz's eyes? Yeah, we're seeing all of this scene. We're seeing the same scene from earlier but through Taz's perspective, right? Yeah, but essentially that he's hallucinating. Did you miss a bit? No, I don't think I missed anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I just thought that and didn't write it. The next scenes are all shown through his eyes and he's hallucinating a little bit. So when he sees his sister with a guy, he marches up to her. Yeah? Mm, Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So from Taz's perspective, we see Dan turn around and look look at Taz Mm. with his eyes glowing red. So Taz screams out, I'm coming for you. Don't go to sleep tonight. But they've already left. I think I lost my accent a bit there. But... No, no, I'm sorry. That's right, good. You really like writing dialogue. Yeah. You I... really make a rod for your own back with all this dialogue. I know. Well, I, can't, I just went for it this week. Because you knew you would have to... Re- yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, the whole reason I did this was because I felt like I needed some kind of accent work in here. Sure, okay. And, uh, yeah. So Taz then stumbles home. And we see him walk up to the front door. And it fades to black as he passes out on the porch, having lost his keys. The next morning, he's woken up by a policeman, played by Martin Freeman, mm. who's been called to the house to investigate the situation. Everybody is taken to the station. Oh, this is the situation being dead grandma. Mm-hmm. Waiting for them there is David Tennant, wrapped up in only a towel. Apparently, he was found naked three miles away. So the stepfather, right? Mm-hmm. 
So what last happened to him? Oh, because Olivia Coleman left him in the cinema, right? Uh, she no, she left him with a gang of zombies. Oh yeah, he turned um, into a zombie. Yeah, and did the thriller routine. Yeah, she ran home, found her grandma dead. Yeah, okay, but like maybe that was all a dream. But maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Okay. So David Tennant was found naked three miles away last night. And now he's in the police station wrapped in only a towel. Mm-hmm. A few moments later, Daniel Kaluuya is brought in, having been picked up by another police car, who tracked him down over Tinder. Is that possible? Um, I, well, maybe, maybe they tricked him, like catfished him. Yeah. But I'm just thinking that he's just sort of playing the field tonight. Okay, sure. Well, it's, the, it's the next morning now. Well, that night, that, okay. whatever. But why would anyone track him down? Because he was seen at the scene of the crime for some reason. I've not written that bit in, all right? This is what happens with everything I write. You always question everything, and then people complain if I put too much detail into things. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to like, follow this logical plot line through. There's none. There's, There's no one. logic. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. So, okay, I'm not, just so so I can clear up what's happening here. So, Red and Olivia Coleman found their, the grandma eaten, murdered, blood everywhere. Yeah, the final crime scene. They reported it to the police. Reported it to the police. The police used Tinder to tr- <laughs> trick Daniel Kaluuya into getting arrested. Okay, look, I've not thought that bit through. Look, uh, that's fine. We'll just skim over it. I just want to make I just want to like make sure we know where yeah. we're at. Okay. So, PC Martin Freeman says with his broad eye. <laughs> with his broad Irish accent <laughs> great top of the morning to you laddie I'm sorry to say that your mother points at Olivia Coleman was murdered in her sleep last night we do not believe it was by any person but by an animal we've been getting reports of murders all across the city which are all similar to this so for the seriousness of this case we're hoping to keep you in all in overnight for questioning Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. So the whole group are locked up in a cell overnight where they discuss the situation and mourn their grandmother. Then at the stroke of midnight, the full moon shines in through the window. Scrolling space for effect. Okay, stop there. Stop, 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 stop. Who do you think it is? Who do I think is the killer? Yeah. It's Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. He, he did the red eyes. But was that a hallucination? Oh, I see. Well, okay. What, what, what about uh, David Tennant? Well, he was out all night doing the thriller dance with his friends. Hmm? Daisy Ridley and Olivia Coleman definitely off the hook. Why? Why would that be the case? Daisy Ridley was really, really drunk. True. Um, Olivia Coleman was, uh, or she didn't know if he was dreaming or not. But she saw a group of zombies. What's going on there? Do you want to make a final, um, final prediction? I'm gonna say Martin Freeman did it. Okay. Because he was the character who. It's the character that has the least, the most pointless character, so it's in the spirit of this film. Okay. Can I scroll down now? Yeah. Everyone cowers in one corner of the cell, screaming for the guards, as Red transforms into a werewolf, bursting out of her lucky hoodie. Mm. So it was Daisy Ridley the whole time. The end. Okay. There it is. There it is. I tried to write a whodunit. Well, okay, it was m- the spirit m- m- of this Murder film. mystery. They're difficult to write. <laughs> they are. They deceptively are. Because also those ones, you do have to go into detail to throw in little clues here and there. Sure. No, I think you did a decent job there. I mean, I mean, the amount of accent work you threw at me was... It was great fun. A little cruel. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> you did. I, I'd you like did. to apologise for people of all the regions that I attempted there. Um, great, okay. No, I liked it. I think, it, yeah. I can see where, where you went with that. It's, you, you basically re- recreate the whole murder mystery ensemble thing. Because and... that is the only thing that I really appreciated about Red Riding Hood, this film, was... The murder mystery. Yeah, the murder mystery was... I, I was actually interested to see yeah. who the werewolf was. Actually, I would have liked it because this film was all basically told, the, the actual film was all told through Red Riding Hood's perspective. Mm. A version that actually told through multiple perspectives would be more interesting because mm. then it'd be like, 
it would add more layers to it. Because mm-hmm. she was kind of, kind of a, a flat character to be like our main, yeah. you know, heroine. Mm-hmm. So if you're seeing it through all of their perspectives, like, well, who's telling the truth and who's lying? Mm. That's more interesting. So, oh, yeah, I like that. That's good. Cool. Well, thank you for that. Very you're good. welcome. And um, sorry for bits that didn't make sense. Right, mm-hmm. now let's see what your idea is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sequel, Grimm, G-R-I-M-M. Yeah. The Father Solomon Chronicles. Yes. Okay. I don't know what any of that means. Grimm's in Grimm's Fairy Tales. Yeah. Father Solomon Chronicles mean anything? Father Solomon is the character played by Gary Oldman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably very, very relevant. Okay. Premise. This is a police procedural slash legal drama shown in the style of Law and Order and NCIS starring Gary Oldman. That's Father Solomon. A loose cannon law enforcement officer investigating serious crimes in fairyland. Okay. His methods are unconventional, but he'll stop at nothing to get the job done. Okay, I'm sold already. Good, good, good. So the pitch is for the first six episodes of the series. Episode one, Three Little Murders. Solomon is called in by his old college roommate, Ham Rockwell. There might be some pun work happening here. Wait, sorry, where's the... Po- oh, oh, it's Three Little Pigs. It, uh, right, got it, got it, got it. To investigate the disappearance of his brother-in-law, Kevin Bacon. Kevin was a notorious drunk and... Vagrant? Vagrant? Vagrant. Vagrant. Who lived in a house of straw. The house was destroyed, and Kevin is nowhere to be found. Local police are uninterested in mounting a search and rescue for a bum, but Ham suspects foul play. Like, chicken play, or...? No, just foul play. Okay. Murder. Yeah. <laughs> just, just checking what's the pun and what's not. Sure. Solomon does some investigating and determines that his old rival, the wolf, may be connected. Well, well duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a prequel. Obviously, Solomon dies. Okay, and, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he starts aggressively questioning the townspeople, sowing fear and paranoia. The situation escalates when Ham's older brother, Ethan Pork... Ethan Hawke? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Also goes missing in an apparent home invasion. Ethan was an environmental activist, living off the grid in a house made of sticks. Yes. I mean, is the house made of straw? Is that is that got a big carbon footprint or something? No, because the, the idea is that so the first pig is in a house of straw, mm. the second one is in a house of sticks. Mm-hmm. So it's like building up. So the first one's literally homeless, just living in a house of straw. Uh, okay. The second one has a house of sticks. That's a bit more sustainable. Mm. You know, it's a bit more like secure. Yeah, but it's just okay. to give different levels of why they're living in these ridiculous mm, houses. Fair. Okay. Solomon realises that the wolf is targeting individuals with poor home security and urges the townspeople to reinforce their dwellings for safety. The wolf attempts to break into Ham's place, but fails to get through his reinforced brickwork and is confronted by Solomon. After a tense standoff, the wolf flees. For now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you see? So I'm kind of trying to go for a law enforcement, like, you know, police procedural kind of thing. Mm. And it's kind of inspired by, like, Netflix TV series. There's going to be standalone episodes with different villains. Yeah. But the wolf's going to be, like, the main villain who, you know, is going to keep coming back, etc. Okay. So, you yeah. got someone playing that wolf? I don't know who do you want to, who would you cast Alec Baldwin oh yes he'd be a great wolf mm-hmm. yes like it a lot mm. okay episode two barefaced cheek Ham Rockwell joins Solomon as his obligatory wisecracking totally unqualified partner in private investigation true there's always one yes exactly. I, I was yeah. thinking of like Froggy and Daredevil and that kind mm. of character like, yeah. they are soon contacted by a family of bears who claim they're being harassed by a golden haired squatter who breaks into their house at all hours eats their food sits in their chairs and sleeps in their bed yeah Oof. the family claim not to know what the squatter's motivations are but Father Solomon has some suspicions 
he also has to deal with his own prejudices against working on behalf of talking animals who he dislikes intensely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's working for the bears at this point. Yes. Okay. So is this a, a mother bear, a father bear, and a, a child bear? Yes. Well, it's just three bears who live together, whatever their arrangement might be. Okay. Um, after following the girl for some time, he discovers that her obsession stems from a brief affair with the father of family, who dumped her when his wife became suspicious. Unable to accept that the relationship is over, the girl has been driven to stalking her former lover. Father Solomon reveals all. The girl is sent for counselling, and the family is left to process their father's betrayal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what happened there? So, <laughs> you just read it. <laughs> I wasn't listening. You weren't listening to yourself. <laughs> so, the three bears go to Solomon mm. and say, there's this crazy stalker lady breaking in, who's Goldilocks, mm. breaking into our house, mm. sleeping in our beds, eating our porridge, sitting in our chairs. Yeah, I got, I got a lap bit, but then what was the last bit? So then Father Solomon investigates and finds out that the reason she's so obsessed with the family, the reason she's stalking them, is that she had a brief affair with the father bear, mm-hmm. which she's denying all knowledge of. Mm-hmm. He dumped her and she became obsessed with him. Got it. And then she became like a bunny boiler, like a Glenn Close fatal attraction kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then she started just breaking into the house and stalking. She couldn't accept the relationship was over. And Father Solomon tells the family what, what the reasoning is, mm-hmm. exposes the dad as having had an affair. So they have to deal with that whole situation. Mm. And she goes for counselling because she's okay. got severe emotional problems. Okay, cool. Yeah. Got it. It's Goldilocks, basically. Yeah, no, no, I got that. <laughs> um, episode three, A Tangled Web of Lies, Brackets and Hair. Okay, so Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. Solomon and Ham are... It's a, it's a weird duo of names. I know, Solomon yeah. and Ham. Well, I couldn't do anything with... No, that's fair. No. So Solomon and Ham are approached by a desperate father who believes his ex-wife is abusing their daughter. Since their separation, the mother has not allowed him to visit his daughter, and she hasn't been seen at school for over a year. Solomon investigates, but is quite literally stonewalled by the mother, who won't even open the door to him. Suspecting abuse, Solomon and Ham follow the mother to its supposedly abandoned tower, where it is revealed she's been keeping the daughter locked up in terrible conditions, refusing to even cut her hair. Ham attempts to get into the tower to talk to the girl, convincing her to let down her hair, However, a year without shampoo and conditioner has left it so matted and gross that he's overpowered by the smell and falls into a thorn bush, accidentally blinding himself. Oh, right, great. (laughs) Solomon consults child services. The mother loses custody, and Ham gets an ongoing B story for the rest of the season where he trains himself in the art of blind hand-to-hand combat. Okay, great. (laughs) It's like, after a certain point in all of these, I'm really thinking of the Netflix Marvel shows Mm. in particular here, there's always a point where the B character runs out of steam. They're like, okay, how do we give them something to do? Mm. Oh, I guess we'll give them superpowers. So Ham has basically blinded himself in the thorn bushes, mm-hmm. like the prince in the Rapunzel story. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the season, although it's not going to come up again in my stories, but he's, he's spending the rest of the season like learning how to be like a blind martial arts master. Mm-hmm. But is he good at it? Maybe. After a certain point. If it gets renewed by season two, he will be. Okay, sure. Episode four. Don't have a cow, man. Uh, James and... No. Not James and the Giant Peach. Jack and the Giant... Beanstalk? Wait, is that what it's called? Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and... <laughs> Sorry, I got confused. You there. mixed up two mediums there, yeah. I mean, I'm not wrong. No, no, no. Jack and wrong. the Giant Beanstalk. I mean, it is a lot, yeah. All the elements were there, just mm. not in the right order. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so episode four, Don't Have a Cow, Man. Ham's background in, in litigation comes into play when he's asked to represent a young single mother in a legal case against a local tradesman, who she claims tricked her slow-witted son into purchasing worthless beans for an ex- Exorbitant? Exorbitant. Exorbitant. That is not a word. Price. (laughs) I guarantee it is. Um, uh, Worse still, after planting the beans, a giant plant quickly took over the garden, causing destruction and extreme emotional distress. 
The case appears to be going their way until the mother and son are dramatically countersued by an elderly giant who claims the duo frequently used the plant to break into his retirement condo condo, whatever, yeah. Condo. And, and steal his property. The case is settled out of court. You're making up a lot of words here. They're all, these are all real words. What, have you ever heard the word condo before? Mm, I've heard it said on tally. No, it's, like it's like a fancy apartment. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a shack. No. No, a condo is like a... It's a fancy apartment. Yeah. So a retirement condo would just be like, like a big fancy flat that you would buy... A millionaire would buy to retire to, like as a holiday home to retire to. Mm. Like you'd have a condo like overlooking the beach or something. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Episode 5. Elder Abuse. Hmm. Nope, don't know what it is. You have to read on. That's not as obvious in the title. Okay. An old woman approaches Solomon and Ham, begging for help in clearing the name of her sister, who she believes was wrongly accused of kidnapping and attempted cannibalism. Nope, still don't get it. A pair of teenagers... Tansel and Gretel. Yes. <laughs> Some of this was may or may not have been inspired by the fact that I watched Disenchanted recently. Uh-huh. <laughs> so a pair of uh, teenagers claimed the sister tempted them into the house with sweets and imprisoned them, forcing them to shove her into an oven in order to escape. Yes. Okay, yeah. Solomon and the Ham investigate the pair and discover that they're part of a gang of young delinquents who specialise in catfishing unsuspecting pensioners, posing as lost children to win their trust, then defrauding them out of as much candy as they can get. When the cash ran out, they would murder... Do you mean candy? Cash or candy, whatever they were using. Okay. Uh, when the candy ran out, they would murder the unsuspecting elders and claim self-defence. Solomon has the gang tortured... Jesus. He's very torture-happy. <laughs> okay, uh, no, you're right, actually. Um, and the old woman's sister receives a sizable compensation payout. Okay. Episode 6, Swipe Left for Murder. Don't know what that is. A collective of single women bring a class action lawsuit against the creator of Glitter, Fairyland's most popular dating app. Okay. Mm-hmm. They claim that the app deliberately allows men to misrepresent their true selves. Okay, so what's the lawsuit there? It's allowing men to lie. It's like, I don't know. But isn't all social media a lie? Well, true, but in the, it's, it's, it's a lawsuit, yeah. Okay, sure. The case is headed by a lady named Belle. Uh, who went on a disastrous date with a man who claimed to be a handsome prince, but turned out to be a hideous monster who imprisoned her in his tower on the first date. Another young woman claimed she was tricked by a gang of manipulative little people who catfished her into the forest and enslaved her for several months. Was she sat there against her will? In this version, she was. Okay, cool. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, Beauty and the Beast, yeah, sure. Yeah. There's no way. In this version, yeah, she was tricked. Okay. Um, a woman with severe narcolepsy claims her information was hacked, allowing a wandering pervert to break into her castle while she was asleep and attempt to molest her. Mm, yeah, fair. Finally, an embittered, again... Um, embittered. An embittered divorcee claims her ex-husband lied about the extent of his income and used a glass slipper to indulge his foot fetish with all the women in the town before their marriage. Thanks to Solomon's investigative genius, they win a record payout and thank him by buying him a giant metal elephant which he vows to take with him wherever he goes, no matter how pointless or inconvenient. The end. Until season two. Titled Listener Submissions. No, no, no. That's <laughs> the next part. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> you read too far. <laughs> so what do you think? You, you went some places there. Yeah. You said it was one idea. That would be really six ideas. It was really it? six Let's, ideas, but be honest. Connect, six connected ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a series, yeah. Yeah, no, that was good. Yeah. Well, yeah, the only character I had any, any interest in seeing more of was Gary Oldman, obviously. Mm, so yeah. he'd be really... Imagine him going through Fairyland as this kind of fairy tale police 
guy, mm-hmm. but like his first recourse is always torture. Mm-hmm. Like he's always just like, oh, we'll torture them. Yeah, yeah. So like he's, he's causing chaos wherever he goes. I mean, that'd be fun. So we're watching like his decline from like a a good-hearted cop, and when he sees this rough world, it wears him down. Basically, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's like damages or better call Saul or something. I think. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. Okay, so listener submissions. Sure, I've I've got a couple to start us off, but they are. Nobody has seen this film. Sure, it made money. Did it? It wasn't a complete bomb. I think it made like sixty million oh, in no. America, so probably mm, cracked a hundred million worldwide. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like a complete bomb, but it definitely didn't make enough to justify making loads more, which they're probably hoping for. Mm. But yeah, I think it made money from a very specific audience, mm. and that audience probably isn't the kind of audience that we appeal to. I think it made a lot of money with teenage girls. I don't know how many teenage girls listen to this show. If you are, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this episode being over. Really. <laughs> 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 oh, next week should be better. Okay, so first one I've got is from uh, Rory Spence mm-hmm. from Doghead Presents. So he says, turns out the wolf was very influential in wolf society. Okay. So he said woodsman or whatever, but I'm saying uh, Amanda, what's her face? And, Safe and, and, and boyfriend. They have to go on the run. Um, and that's the best that I'm going to get out of him because it's been a long week. So just the Amanda Seyfried and the Wolf go on the run together. Yeah, from some sort of wolf organisation, like the government or something. Like okay, sure. The wolf government. Maybe wolf hunting, a wolf hunting government. Maybe like Gary Oldman's superiors are on the chase to kill Peter the Wolf. Oh, no, I think he meant more like... Oh, actual the, more the, the Council of Werewolves. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, I can see that. Council of Werewolves. Yeah, there we okay. go. Yeah. So it turns out that the wolf stuff is a blood curse thing now, and... Uh, well, Red Riding Hood, so years later. Yeah. She's happy and great and has a family or whatever. Maybe she didn't end up with uh, Peter. Peter, yeah, sure. Yeah. But then it starts to affect her. And, you know, so maybe she was a werewolf all along. She just needed to grow into it. Okay. Maybe at the age of, you know, 30 or something. Sure. And the uh, hormones kick in. Yeah. yeah. Mm, whatever. She kills her husband. and She uh, kills Peter? Well, no, she's not with Peter. She's, she's, she's had kids with somebody else. Okay. So she kills that somebody else and uh, tries to hide it, but can't. And uh, she has to go on the run with her kid, but also try not to kill her kid at the same time. Wow, and, um, dark. Yeah. Who was that? So that was Charlie Dudley from, oh, from Why, Why, did, I do Why that? did I Do That. Cool. Okay, next one. Jason Croxon from uh, A Conversation With. Sure. Um, oh, and another podcast, which I've guested on recently, and I forgot to mention, Getting to Know Who. Yes. Yes. You, I guess you listened to it already. I did. I was very amused. Spoiler alert for that episode. I was very amused by the fact that you were undone by a dog-related question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you would be. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, so that podcast, it's, it's a quiz show, essentially. Yeah. And uh, I went up against Charlie Dudley, actually. And it um, didn't, didn't go, go in my favour, no. Oh, dear. Okay, so Jason says, however the movie ends, this picks up straight afterwards. She's walking through the forest and almost gets crushed by a falling giant. And part of a beanstalk. Um, she finds out Jack has taken over up in the clouds and is planning something evil. So she has to quest to find a new set of magic beans to grow a beanstalk and defeat Jack. And it's very much in the exact same style as this movie. Okay. Do you think we should at some point do Into the Woods? Have yeah, you seen so. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just thinking, like, I didn't choose it because it's not specifically a werewolf story. Or there's a werewolf in it. Or there's a wolf in it. But, mm. yeah. Yeah. Just that sounded quite Into the Woodsy, like bringing in, like, the giant and Jack. Mm, and yeah, and it does. Yeah. Watch sure. the space one day, we might do it, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Phil Better. Yeah? From the Phil Better show. Uh-huh. He again... Well, go on, I'll let him 
Wait, did he, continue. Did, did he write to Twitter as well? He may have submitted something to me as well. I've got some angry Is it to possible to two-time someone with themselves? <laughs> in this post I made, as in, like, any submissions you got? And I said, if any of you write to Twitter as well, you're dead to me. <laughs> so, Phil, you're dead to me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Phil's got this idea, which he has quoted as, this is gold, I tell you, gold! <laughs> it opens on a desolate farm. Crops wilting, barn breaking down, animals barely living. The sun is setting, and we hear the howl of multiple wolves. In the distance, we see red eyes along the tree line. Inside the beaten-down farmhouse, a hunched-over figure wearing a red hood cloak is stoking a fire at the hearth. Upon hearing the howls of the wolves, that figure looks up to the window and mutters, It's time. And back outside, the wolves have surrounded the farmhouse. Each wolf is a different size and colour, twenty in all. The biggest moves to the door and cut scene. Now, New York, present day, Robert Red. I don't know if that's supposed to be Robert Redford or... Okay, fine. Robert Red, as in related to Red Riding Hood. Sure. Is a delivery boy for Red Hood Pizzas and okay. arrives at his job. Dad tells him he has to go to Germany to tend to his grandmother's estate. And they fly over and start to hear legend of a big bad wolf. The Rotkapchen? R-O-T-K-A with some dots, P-P-C-H-E-N. Rotkapchen, um, maybe? Okay, so how their family is cursed. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. That, that, that was a surname, sorry. I oh, I that. see, okay. So how their family is cursed. They go to the farm, see what happens, and then ends with a big pitch battle against the wolves, with Robert now becoming the Red Riding Hood. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Turn into like a franchise action movie, sure. Yeah, I could see, I could see that. So apparently that was gold. Do you think it was okay. gold? I'd say silver. Silver. Maybe bronze. Yeah. Okay. Are we all done? Yeah, that, that's, that's all i got, yes. Okay, cool. So, I have some as well. So, be here at the ready. Okay, so Kyle Davidson said, Red Robin Hood. Mm. Bows plus wolves plus Amanda Seyfried equals much more interesting movie than the last few and upcoming Robin Hood movies. Makes perfect sense. It does, yeah. Although, I feel like Amanda Seyfried and this director making Robin Hood, it'd still be pretty boring. Yeah. yeah. But, um, maybe we'll see. Uh, Joe Herman did his traditional Two Red, Two Hood. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a solid title. It works, yeah. One it's, of the better ones. Never failed. Yeah. Mike Carey said uh, Red Driving Hood. It'll tie in with The Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Singleton. Oh, sorry, Jeremy Sim- Jeremy Simmington said... <laughs> sorry. Jeremy Singleton. What are you laughing at? You called him Singleton. Singleton, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a more plausible Maybe name. he's been struggling to get a girlfriend and now you just yeah. rubbed it in. It just seemed like a more realistic name than Simmington. Jeremy Simmington. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. <laughs> he's not listening live. Uh, Jeremy Simmington said, as long as somebody gets roasted alive in a giant elephant, I'm in. Yeah. Someone who's watched the film, yeah. Wow. Matt Russell said, Red Riding Hood, now all your whites are pink. <laughs> Oh like it, like it. Connor Crehan said, "Dread Riding Hood." Mm-hmm. Okay, like that, yeah. so we like crossover with, with Dread. The... Just Dread, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Dread is in D R E double D, not Dread is in D R E A D. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Moore said, "Brown Riding Hood," which um, Ooh, oh, not a fan. No. But then the, me- the the meaning of Red Riding Hood then, at that point, mm, no. Well, I think that's implied. Yeah. Mm. Will Means said, "Red Riding Hood." Red means dead. But I guess that means like an action. Kind of, mm. right? Over on Twitter, at Johnny Larkin said, Red Riding in Da Hood. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. The heroine gets a ghetto makeover and takes on the big bad wolves, who in this version are a street gang using the power of crumping and a slightly racist stereotype sidekick played by a blacked up James Corden. Oh my. If that doesn't, if that doesn't end the fucker's career once and for all, what will? 
So that, I like that entire sequel idea. Was that just, you writing that? No, that's Johnny Larkin from the Screaming Queens podcast. Johnny Larkin, Johnny Larkin, Johnny Larkin, JL, John Lucas. I can see the connection. It's not me. It's not me. I just, I'm not the only one, but yes. Sure. That sequel was clearly built entirely around the hope of destroying James Corden's career, mm-hmm. which I am on board with. Mm-hmm. You wrote it. I didn't write it. Mm-hmm. At Squeaky Heart said, Little Red, or Azul, as her friends call her, is seen in modern day times. We find out that her hood is a reversible blue because the colour blue was feeling left out. The big bad wolf in this version is actually just a, a real woman with excessive facial hair and Granny looks suspiciously like Mrs. Doubtfire. So, oh, okay, yes. Just a lot of different references being yeah, quite a few. Foss Starts Podcast, at Foss Starts Pod, said, Red Riding Hood 2, The Hoodening. Mm. Now, a wolf attacks Red and steals her hood, damaging it in the process. She retaliates by hunting and killing them all. There are also lots of sexy men. Basically, it's John Wick with a weaker catalyst. <laughs> yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blokebusters said, Red Riding Hood 2, leader of the pack. The wolf is actually second in command of its pack. The leader comes for Red, who now has a protégé. The finale has both killing each other, with Red passing her hood to Rouge, her protégé. Mm-hmm. Oh, Red to Rouge. Yeah. Uh, Before she dies. Uh, okay. Okay. Of course, it's like a next generation passing of the torch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Spit Polish Pre said, I'd rather watch a prequel about Gary Auburn's character and his gang. Well, I think I just pitched exactly that, so yeah. enjoy Spit Polish Pre. Uh, at Talk Fill Me To Me said, Little Red Riding Hood 2, The Shape of Snow. The wolf is kidnapped and held at a training facility. Years later, Little Red takes a job at said training facility and falls in love with the wolf that tried to eat her grandma. So I guess it's just basically the shape of water remade, but with wolves. Mm-hmm. Cool. At one Aussie Nerd one said, A grown-up Yuki investigates a series of murders helping the police in Japan, along with Elle, who is famous for the Kira case. So it's a Death Note Wolf Children crossover. Okay. Thank yeah. you very much there, Daniel. I.e. at one Aussie Nerd one. So finally, Phil Better Show, at Phil Better Show, said, I am legend meets Red Riding Hood. Pretty much takes the I Am Legend story, but werewolves instead of zombies slash vampires. Call it I Am Red Hood. I like I it. I like that, yeah. I think he's giving me the good stuff. Mm, whatever. So those are our sequel ideas for this week. Mm-hmm. If you have a sequel idea for Red Riding Hood or any film we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast. You name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, we should be on it. Let us know. If you enjoy the show, please hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday morning. Or, or leave us a review, which would be really helpful. It really helps us to find new listeners on iTunes or anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. Just leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set. Or buy merchandise at tpublic.com. Just search beyond the box set. Mm-hmm. And next week, we will be concluding the season of the wolf. Hasn't it flown by? Yes, it has. Yeah. So next week we'll be concluding with uh, the fourth film in our little season of the wolf. It is going to be a cross, a multiple crossover episode. A multiple podcast crossover. Multiple mm-hmm. being more than two. The man of the conversation right now, Phil Better, is going to be coming on with the Phil Better show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also going to get Rory Spence as well from Dog Hair Presents. Cool. So they're going to be both coming on from different places in the world. Scotland and Canada, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be doing the wolf, the wolf, which is a eighty or early nineties, I think, werewolf movie starring an actor who I think was born to play a werewolf, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I think he was born a werewolf. I think absolutely, yeah. So it's a movie directed by Mike Nichols, uh, starring Jack Nicholson as I presume a werewolf. Michelle Pfeiffer is in it as well. Mm. I've not seen it, but I like a lot of Mike Nichols' films. Obviously, I like Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. 
good director, good actors. I've got high hopes. So for that episode, you and I are going to come up with an idea together. Mm-hmm. And Phil and Rory are going to come up with an idea together. But to be honest, be... I'm not sure what I've told them to do. So maybe they're going to do that. Maybe they're going to come up with individual ideas. Three ideas is fine. But four isn't. Yeah. No, four's not. You and me will do one together. Yes. Okay, sure. Fine. Um, well, yes, whatever. Something will happen. One or the other. I, f- yeah. I forget. It's all been organised already, but whatever. Cool. So yeah, and that will bring a close to our season of The Wolf. So join us next week for The Wolf, appropriately enough. Cool. So see you then. Bye. Bye. The better to see you with, my dear. Grandmother, what big ears you have. The better to hear you with, my dear. What big teeth you have. The better to eat you with, my dear.